Hey, welcome to the second episode of Malaysian Christian Talks. And on this second episode, it will be a two-part series, two and three, to discuss about the struggles of the second-generation Malaysian Christian. So do tune in and enjoy. So yeah, what we're going to talk about today is this whole idea of what are some of the struggles of a second-generation Christian in Malaysia. So I did a poll on Malaysian Christian memes, and you know, the answers are pretty much interesting. I'm, I'm just going to read to you some of the answers, but before that, uh, what's going to happen is I'm just going to break this whole second-generation struggle of Malaysians into two parts. Uh, the first part is for you to reflect as you listen to this podcast uh, on yourselves and how, um, and I'm going to create main, three main categories to see where you fall in, but there is a flow to it. Um, thank you, Joshua Tong, for simplifying the answers for me. And then in the next episode, we'll see how are we supposed to own this uh, faith of ours. And I'll be touching on two areas, mainly the parents and yourself, but obviously there are a lot of other factors that we need to take account for. And we're going to look all into this while studying the passages from Deuteronomy. So before we begin, why not I just start with asking you guys a few questions for you to reflect on. Now what you're going to do is I'm going to read out the questions. You're just going to take 10 seconds to pause and ask yourself, ask yourself um, yeah, what are your answers? And then we will continue on. Now question number one is, what do you mean when you call yourself a Christian? What do you mean when you call yourself a Christian? And what do you mean when you say you love Jesus? Now, these are significant questions to gauge at least of how much you understand your faith now. Um, depending on your answer, you know, don't beat yourself up if you do not know the answer. You know, go figure out for yourself to really know that faith of yours. But allow me to read some of the answers when I ask what are the struggles of a second-generation Malaysian Christian, right? So uh, one says, family judgment, um, not being led in faith at all sometimes, you know, um, in some sense, the other one says, uh, owning your faith or assu- you're assuming your faith, right, where, you know, you think you're a Christian, but when you really ask yourself that questions, maybe not really, uh, being complacent with their faith, having difficulty identifying the turning point on when you actually become a Christian because you are born into a Christian family. I like this one. The assumption that they are Christians because they were brought up in a Christian home, uh, growing up accustomed to much Christian jargon till faith can oftentimes become ritualistic. Wow. So you're just going through the motions. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, but all in all, um, Joshua Tong helped categorize it into three things, and which is what we're going to be discussing today, right? Uh, in the end, the three categories of all the answers that we uh, can talk about mainly falls into three categories, and it, somehow there is a flow to it. Uh, and our and the three these three categories are com- being complacent, being comfortable, and compromising. Now, that's my flow. It begins with complacency and then comfortableness. Other people will talk about how you become a comfortable first and then you become complacent. But hear me out. See how I bring forward to you this flow of idea. Either way, that's not the important bit. Yeah, right? So I Google uh, what complacent means and Google gave me this answer. A feeling of smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements pretty huge word but I think in many sense 
is feeling meh. Um, a more unhealthy sense of contentment. It's not really contentment. It's just just going through the motions. And you know, I would like to look at uh, the Israelites. Look into the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, where Moses is giving his final speech before they cross on to the Promised Land. And right at the early parts of Deuteronomy, uh, as Moses is just recounting God's faithfulness to Israelites, he comes to Deuteronomy 4, specifically 4.9, and he says, you know, don't forget about God. And he says, only, uh, 4.9, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Now, the things, what, what do you mean by forget? What, what did they see, right? It's the things that what God did for them. Right, drawing them out us uh, from slavery, uh, God's promises of manna, providing food day and night, um, remembering God's promise to Abraham to be fulfilled, to be one day become a nation, all that. So let's not forget what God has done for you. Rem- be you do well to remember them, and Moses continues to warn them. If you read Deuteronomy uh, four chapter four, to warn them that if they get complacent, they might create idols out of the gifts that God provided, rather than God Himself. That they do not, they shouldn't forget the covenant that God, that it was God that brought them out of Egypt, out of their house of slavery, into a relationship with Him. Right? God reminded them. Right? If you read, God reminded them that. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Israel. I am your God and you are going to be my people and therefore you should love me, right? So that's the reminder Moses is giving. Because when we, is by the way, it is a spiritual danger and it's very subtle. Complacency is a very subtle thing and I'll show you how it can be subtle in a while, right? Now, in the wake of success, sometimes, you no know, people sees a fearing God and they begin to believe that success then becomes a birthright. Instead of gratitude, we forge a sense of entitlement. Now I'm going to show you that question and ask yourself, where did you truly come from? For what, from what position did God save you from, if not from spiritual depravity? Now, you know, there, were, there was a time where Israel thought they became lofty and they became proud with their success, thinking it was them, it was, uh, it was all they are doing. But when you ask the question, what made Israel awesome? The Bible will imply nothing. In fact, Deuteronomy 7.7 7 says this, It was not because you were more in numbers than any other people. It was not because of that. Huh? And so it's not because you're awesome, but it continues that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all people now why would god choose the fewest of all people i will leave that for another time or if you want to ask in the comments or in the section or, or whatever please do contact us on either malaysian christian memes or or the ch- uh, comment down below all right but i'm just going to draw this the israelites were warned not to forget and be complacent with their faith to remember who their god is and we know throughout scriptures they fail and they forget, right? And and when you read like uh, books like Hosea uh, or Isaiah, it talks about how they have um, committed adultery. It's as if you you you've lasted other other gods, so to say, and you forgot that it was the God of Israel, faithful covenant, the God uh, who drew you out of Egypt was the one that provided for you, and they they forgot. And God has been calling them to come back and come back and come back. So we know that story. 
And sometimes for us, we, we too get the same thing. We can get complacent with our faith when we forget who we are in Christ, when we forget what Christ saved us from. We end up following our family to church, not actually knowing uh, Jesus personally on a deeper level. And everything is done out of routine. Um, we are not going through any persecution. It's all good. Right? Just going through the motions. You, you might go to church because your worship is awesome. The preacher is really engaging. Right? And there are a lot of ministries out there. But you know, why, why do you go to church though? Right? And when life is, uh, is going through, when you're going through the motions in that way, we forget our Father in heaven. Like when we complain about MCO and yet there's food on the table, you know, we are having this posture of entitlement rather than gratitude, right? And especially Malaysians, I find we, we are complainers number one. I mean, you, you may feel offended, but just, I'm just, it's for you to reflect anyway. And here's the thing, when we become complacent with our faith, we then get comfortable, so what is comfortable? Comfortable is everything is good, everything is awesome, you know, you know. And comfortable means what? You want to stay there because it's comfortable, and it means that there is then no growth, there is no sense of urgency. It is. Uh, but when you study scriptures, you see, and you look throughout the scriptures on the reason why Jesus came, then you know that the comforts of this world was never good enough. Right? Jesus came to free us to see that He is the only way, truth, and life. But again, um, we, it's, it's again about the posture. It's not that we cannot enjoy being able to yum cha with our friends every week or we are able to go to church and sing praises and that we are financially okay and that we can have the comforts of um, a smartphone watching YouTube, consuming entertainment. But again, there's nothing inherently wrong. But our posture, is it out of gratitude? Or self-entitlement, right? Because if it's out of self-entitlement, then we are getting comfortable. And you want to know how the Bible responds to that? Luke 8, 14, right? Uh, talks about the parable of the sowers, how the, the, how the sower chose the good news and what kind of soil it receives. And here's one. Luke 8, 14 says this. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear... But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Whoa, 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 whoa. It is an interesting choice of words. Um, you know, we want to live a good life, you see. But it says here, right, that the comforts and the cares of the world are what chokes you on your growth as a disciple of Christ. Like, it's like saying, if, if you're caring more for what this world can offer you, um, and it can be anything, you can be enjoying a good tea life. Again, nothing wrong with the tea life. It's all about the posture, right? Uh, but it can choke you. It can draw you away from your relationship with God. And sometimes it's quite scary because, you know, Satan doesn't need to literally make you denounce God, so to say. He just needs to distract you from God. And so when you get complacent, you forget. And when you forget, uh, you get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, you get choked. It's very interesting. So some people might say it as, you know, you, you care so much for what the world offers. But it says here in Luke 8.14, 
by the riches and the pleasures of life is what chokes you for your growth in Christ. And once you are choked, you compromise. So we went through complacency. Now we're looking at being comfortable. And finally, you compromise. Compromise means not pushing to the ideal. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's never truly that one thing. Now because of the comforts, then we fail to see the spiritual depravity of the world because we think that the world is good in that sense. And, and we who are the ones who are called to share that good news of this upside-down kingdom, the good news that this world isn't at there is, that, that God is calling out of us from our slavery to sin, to a relationship with Him, to be sons and daughters of God, that good news, we compromise. We slow down in our tracks. And we come up with seemingly a million and one awesome answers as a reason to not share the gospel. Now that's compromise, by the way. And I find it pretty scary, right? Because it's really subtle. You know, church does not become something of a part of body of Christ to serve one another. It becomes a Sunday service. That's compromise. You assume your faith. You haven't really looked through scriptures to truly understand um, what it means to call Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What did He save you from and why should you come under His Lordship? You just say, I believe in you, Jesus. That's compromise. And when the truth of the scriptures is brought forth and you look in the scriptures that talks about the reality of your sin, the call of Jesus, what He's calling you to, and then we measure it to our own standards and you go, you know, I'm not that bad. I, I don't kill. I, I, I faithfully go to church. I, I play the guitar. And by the way, I'm the only guitarist in church. Example, all right? Uh, that's compromise. And we think that sometimes secretly, if we are willing to acknowledge that we think that the world offers more excitement than our excitement in Him. And when we compromise, I now draw back the question I asked earlier on. Do you love Jesus? Or what does it mean when you say you love Jesus? Because when you look at scriptures, uh, when you love Jesus, there's a lot of implications by saying that we love Him. Well, for one, uh, John 14, 15 states, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I can almost imagine if you get comfortable, right? Paul, if Paul was still alive, he would be probably saying, Oh foolish Malaysians, Malaysian Christian, who, have, who has bewitched you? Why do you claim that you know who Jesus Christ is and yet you live your life as if there is no sense of urgency? You're so comfortable. And I, say, I tell you, uh, I'll talk further about this, but you know, when you look at the New Testament, right, the word suffering comes out so often that we fail to take a look that your Christian life, believing in Jesus, comes with suffering. And I will talk about that in the future to come. Right, but something I just lay before you to think about it. But here's the here's where I, I, I just draw I just draw to a conclusion, right? When we forget the promises of God, you know, we get complacent and we get complacent, we turn to our eyes to other things to seek for comfort. And it's really subtle. And it can be really genuine, you see. You might go, I need a better job with a better pay to provide for the family. And then you forget it's not Jesus the one that provides. You might go, I need a promotion for a recognition with my family and whatnot. And I might go, are you not a child of God? Some might say, I need to get straight A's so that, so that I feel like I have value. And to which I will remind you, are you not created in God's image? Now, obviously, things are more nuanced than that. Okay, uh, But you know, this is just a snapshot 
to draw us in to say, hey, um, is this your struggle uh, as a second generation Christian in Malaysia for your faith? Are you forgetting who God is uh, and what he has done for you? Or do you not even have a moment where you truly even ask whether uh, you knew who Jesus Christ is? Right? I leave that be. Now for me, why do I love Jesus? Because the gospel has been clearly made known to me and I have experienced his faithfulness accordingly. And it's not based on the pleasures of the world where I go through life and I get a pay raise and, uh, and I get good things and I'm not saying that is again inherently bad. But when I talk about God's faithfulness, I'm talking more in the context of being faithful to his covenant and promises ever since Israel all the way up to now. And that he journeys with me in the expansion of his kingdoms. There are hard times and there are bad times. But he's there, slowly revealing step by step of who he is and why he is the truth. And I cling on to that. I cling on to what is good and I choose to love Jesus. Guess what? I love because God first loved. First John 4.19 And it's the kind of love that casts out all fear. It's the kind of love that will get Jesus who has all the rights of God, did not count himself, uh, the idea of equality before God, a thing to be grasped, emptied himself all the way to the cross to redeem a broken creation for his glory and his love for us because God is love. And that's what I, I lay before you, uh, all you um, hearers for this. Uh, and next week, uh, sorry, not next week, the next episode, sorry, the next episode, we will then look, once you have identified, hey, this is where I'm at, I will then talk about how do we own such a faith and the struggles of owning such a faith. And I'm not going to throw you some formula to say, this is going to happen, this is going to work. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say, you do this, it's going to happen. No, I'm going to be more real and raw with you. Sometimes um, it is not as perfect as you think it is, right? There is no such formula. It takes a lot of humility, grace, and discernment and wisdom and from there we'll move on i'm giving you the whole flow on how we are then called to disciple but then there are a lot of issues of discipleship how do we navigate that how do we process that because the call is real if you call yourself to be a christian you are therefore called to make disciples of all nations i want you to think about it but for today all you need to do is just reflect. Um, if you are complacent with your faith, then you'll forget who he is. And when you forget who he is, you turn your sights to other things that supposedly brings you comfort, but knowing that it's never good enough. And when you think that things brings you comfort, the things which is the things of the world, anything aside from God is everything else that's supposedly supposed to bring you comfort, you will then realize that that comfort actually chokes you, chokes you in your growth. And you are called to so many things, right? You're not just safe from your sin. You're safe for good works. You're safe to become a royal priesthood, to proclaim His excellencies. Another time for that. But just think about it. From complacency to com being comfortable, from being comfortable to compromise, and just reflect. Just reflect. And wait for the next episode. Right, so um, do follow on me on Spotify, Malaysian Christian Talks, to subscribe, uh, and I'll catch you on the next one. Right, this is Adriel signing out. Peace out.